In a healthcare system, quality is everyone's responsibility. If you're ready to be responsible for quality at the highest levels of your organization, we're proud to invite you to the Institute for Healthcare Improvement's Chief Quality Officer Professional Development Program. If you're already a CQO or about to take the next step, this new program will enable you to develop the executive leadership skills required to put quality and safety at the top of the priority list for your organization. If you're listening to today's program, you know how essential it is to get senior leadership engaged in quality, but you also need to measure and report on quality and safety indicators, reduce waste and costs, monitor accreditation and compliance, and help your colleagues in their journey to high-quality person-centered care. You'll also learn the right tools and framework from our experienced faculty who will coach you on how to sustain and manage important gains while engaging and energizing your colleagues around quality. IHI's CQO program has produced an incredible network of quality leaders, including Dr. Angela Shippey, one of our guests on WIHI Today. The Chief Quality Officer Professional Development Program begins June 10th right here in Boston at the IHI. For more information on enrolling in CQO, visit IHI.org CQO or shoot us an email at info at IHI.org. Now here's WIHI. There are more ways than ever today for leaders and the people who work for and with them to communicate. Leaders and their staffs now follow one another on social media. Few hesitate to send their CEOs direct emails, regular staff meetings, small meetings, the hallways, the coffee machine, workplace celebrations. They've all become opportunities to talk, however briefly. But when it comes to pitching something that matters to you, that you want a leader to entertain as a new idea, perhaps a new project, and a thumbs up would mean the world, well, greater access and informality don't really guarantee a thing. One's missive and ask of a leader may in fact wind up being quite forgettable. So what to do? Well, we're going to dig into why pitches to leaders often misfire and what can be done to turn those odds around. We're going to do this on this edition of WIHI. And I want to welcome you to WIHI. We're an online audio talk show from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. We're here live. And after the show, you can find the program on IHI.org and on iTunes. I'm your host and producer, Madge Kaplan, and I'm also IHI's Director of Communications. Our topic today was sparked by a blog penned by IHI's Derek Fearley, one of our panelists today. The title of the blog is How to Speak So Leaders Will Listen. And since it went live on IHI.org last September, it's been viewed over 11,000 times, clearly hitting a chord or you could say striking a nerve. Angela Shippey from Memorial Hermann is also with us today. And both Derek and Angela are eager to share some ideas to improve what's sometimes called the elevator speech or pitch. Joining us by phone, Angela Shippey is Senior Vice President and Chief Quality Officer of the Memorial Hermann Health System, where she has oversight for clinical quality, patient safety, infection prevention, accreditation, and more. Angela works to advance Memorial Hermann's commitment to high reliability while providing patients with the best possible outcomes. Welcome, Angela. Thank you, Madge. Joining me here in the studio right across here is uh, Derek Feely. He is IHI's president and CEO since 2015. He was previously IHI's executive vice president, and prior to that, he served as director general for health and social care in the Scottish government and chief executive of the National Health Service in Scotland. Welcome, Derek. Thank you, Madge. All right, Derek gets on the spot right away, and I want to know what has prompted you to raise the topic of how people engage with leaders, especially related to pitching new ideas. And I'm wondering if you have been have been feeling, had been feeling, the process has gotten somewhat uh, sloppy or perhaps lost its focus. Um, I'm not sure it's a process that uh, was ever anything else than it is today, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think there's been any deterioration in it. It's just always something that people have struggled with. And I've heard it uh, from the very moment I started to get involved in quality improvement. People used to bring this challenge to me. How can I get my leader's attention? They have ideas. They have um, uh, thoughts about how we could get better in providing the services that we provide to our patients and families. 
uh, and they have difficulty reaching the people with the resources and the means to secure the improvement that they want to see. Okay. Um, so, uh, and I had some personal experience of that. I mean, I, I remembered in, as I was starting out in quality improvement, how, how difficult it was for me to get uh, people's attention. And I used to think that if I had ideas and evidence, somehow magic would occur. Mm-hmm. And it, it never did. All right. So uh, now experiencing it, obviously, uh, as a leader as well, and as well as, as you're saying, uh, trying to get the attention of a leader. Angela, what about you from your experience? Uh, You uh, quickly picked up on this idea when we asked uh, you to join us. And I'm wondering, do you share Derek's concerns, have some different ones? Sure. Well, I agree with Derek that people struggle and sometimes they're afraid to use their voice to talk about what's important to them or maybe important to their organization. Um, I think that's one of the things when we think about change and certainly in Cotter's book, it talks about what's that burning platform moment. So people feel like I've got to have some big thing that happened, especially in quality improvement, that something big happened, whether it was good or bad, or do I have all the stats and all the data? Um, Because many of us are signed or our background makes us want to have every detail before we move forward. And sometimes the best ideas come from um, that spark of inspiration as opposed to having everything perfectly written down. I also think we live in a time where kind of, you know, the art of communication is evolving. We've got texts and tweets and emojis and, you know, long prose dissertations and well-backed-up presentations aren't always what we need, and it's not always a way to keep the attention of those around us. Um, Being able to convey a few key concepts in a short period of time with a few words, um, I'd say that's a skill that all of us need to have and really develop. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angela started to get at that, but uh, Derek, maybe I'll ask you, you, what's at stake here? Why do you think, uh, are you lacking for ideas? Uh, or feel that people maybe are feeling, again, what you were referring to before, a lack of access? So I think it's both, Madge. Uh, so no leader has a monopoly on wisdom. Uh, and I think it's part of the leader's job to to be a, a, a good listener. Uh, I sometimes say well, you've got two ears and one mouth. As a leader, you need to use them in that proportion. <laughs> uh, and we forget that sometimes. We, we think the job of the leader is to have all of the right answers, and actually the job of the leader is to have all of the right questions. And so I think that's why it matters. And also, I think there's there's something about there's a there's, there's a very strong connection to our to IHI's work on joy here, uh, because we uh, we understand that as we as people feel engaged in the work, as they feel that their ideas are heard and valued, they feel more engaged. They're more likely to go the extra mile. Angela, I'm curious what you think uh, is at stake. Uh, Derek referred to some frustration uh, that he experienced, that he felt others were sharing with him. Um, Have you kind of witnessed the same thing? I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, we work with people every day who have committed themselves to help others. And I think there is a huge frustration when they don't have the opportunity to ensure that their point of view is heard, to be part of the solution, and in particular from a healthcare concept, um, to really change the delivery of how we take care of patients. I mean, one of the key principles of high reliability is a deference to expertise. And so that means that as a leader, you're really going to the front line, and you're asking them for their input, and you're asking them to solve the problems, find the next best thing, to help you innovate. And as leaders, it's important for us to remember that and to really seek out um, their ideas and their views on what's happening. Okay. Well, thank you both, Angela and uh, Derek, getting us started. Uh, I love the way the chat is going. As you folks can see, we are inviting you to address uh, you can start asking questions of our panelists for sure. Uh, Vicki Minden is here helping us out, and she's throwing in some questions we developed uh, just to get the temperature of uh, what are some of your concerns when you think about pitching new ideas. I love the one about uh, whether I'm providing enough or uh, too little, uh, and giving enough information, too little, too much. Uh, I think that's a very common uh, feeling for this type of thing. 
All right, uh, Angela, let's go to you now, um, and we're gonna flip. We're gonna uh, show you some of your slides and tell us a little bit about Memorial Hermann and some of the tips uh, that you offer uh, when you're trying to uh, help staff and others improve this process. Go ahead. Thanks. Sure. Thank you. So we're a big system here in Houston. So we serve Southeast Texas um, with basically 26,000 plus employees, over 6,000 credential physicians. We have 17 hospitals, two micro hospitals. And when we include all of our ambulatory locations and all the clinics, um, 227 clinics. And we have been the leader in the market for a long time. Um, certainly when we have all of these physicians that we're trying to communicate with, as well as our staff and their families, because we have a health plan when we have those folks too, we have a lot of people that we need to communicate with and a lot of key stakeholders that we need to keep in mind. Next slide. Yeah, getting it. Okay. Thank you. So we have utilized elevator pitches within our organization, um, and we use it to be just a quick, short summary to quickly convey our process, product, service, parts of our organization or an event or its value proposition. Um, and certainly keys it should have is it should spark interest, should make people um, want to have more interest, it should be memorable, it needs to be short because again, if it was the length of that average elevator ride, and usually you're in that elevator alone when you're having that because most of us probably have a fear of having it with a lot of people, so you never know when the door is going to open and um, somebody else might come on, come in with you. So you definitely want to make sure that it's shorter in length. And I give two um, examples where you can go on YouTube and, and see some examples of some um, good uh, elevator pitches that have been done by others and kind of walk you through the process. So certainly people can look at that after. So a template that we've used and some of the work that we've done is kind of dividing it up into key um, areas. One is um, framing it with we're working towards. So what is it that you want to accomplish? What is it that you want to do? Um, defining why it's important. It is important because we will know we are successful when, what does that look like, and what we need from. Because you might be presenting this to many different people or you want to communicate again across a big organization. So what you say to senior leadership might be different than what you say to physicians, might be different than what you say to frontline staff across all of your campuses or your workplace, and will probably be different from what you might say to patients. So you want to clearly outline um, who the audience is and then tweak it appropriately for that audience. Okay. So many times when we've done this, and even when we were teaching the chief quality officer class at IHI, we had this as an interactive exercise, and we had all the participants talk about who are we communicating to, who are our key stakeholders. In that stakeholder analysis, what is it that we need to say? And we had them practice their speech and get feedback um, from their group. So it was a nice interactive exercise, and it's an easy way that even folks who are um, on our webinar can have an opportunity to kind of practice practices either within their group or on their own to get a better idea of how they want to tweak their elevator speech. Thanks. I've been hearing more and more about uh, Improvement Coach, Improvement Advisor, and other programs where people are practicing uh, talking to their leaders, uh, even, you know, leaving a, a seminar and being able to go to your leader and say, here are some of the really interesting things I learned about. So uh, that's, that seems right on. Go ahead. Yep. That's, you know, and you bring that yeah. up. Sometimes you go to a conference and you hear something that's really good and you immediately want to come back. I think putting it together using this framework is a great way to do that. Okay. All right, so here's an example of one that we were using. So um, we have a reputation and uh, being on a high reliability journey. It's something that we do constantly. We have not arrived. We will never arrive. And so we've seen that throughout our organization where we have used performance improvement methodology and tools that we've had success. And so we wanted to spread that across the organization beyond just the clinical areas and even have some of our operational folks take some of those tools on to help them improve. And so basically we said we're working towards um, bringing high reliability tools to operations by developing a system-wide program that delivers proven methods for performance improvement. It is important 
important because of our need to improve the efficiency of our care delivery system. In collaboration with all departments, we will improve outcomes in an efficient manner while providing an exceptional patient care experience. We will know we are successful when we consistently and substantially improve operational efficiency and effectiveness as determined by reaching our financial goals. What we need from a particular group is your whatever it may be. And so that's how you can really frame the first parts would always stay the same, but when we get to what we need, that's where we would change it up a little bit. Do you, can I ask you, I know we're going to put up now the next one for uh, uh-huh. directing something to senior leaders. Um, would these always be the same? You're asking of a group, you're asking of a senior leader. Many people might say there are all kinds of idiosyncrasies of trying to <laughs> speak to a leader. Uh, and uh, sorry, Derek is raising his eyebrows. I didn't mean you, of course. And um, so what is the, could there, is there a different thing that you, do you have to sort of figure out your leader almost before you could do something? Could this sound, in fact, too formulaic? It could. It really could. But most people, um, what we know about those great presentations from Apple is that they're so well rehearsed. That's why we're always wowed when they bring out a new product, right? So this provides you with a framework in which you can practice and be well rehearsed so that no matter what happens, you're going to make sure you get your point across. But earlier when I talked about identifying your key stakeholders, When you identify them, you may find that, you know what, I've got to change this up a little bit. With another group, I can be a little bit more loose. Maybe I can make it more fun. With this group, I should be more formal. With this group, I may have to bring out those um, financial goals a bit more. With another group, I might want to expand on the patient care experience. You're absolutely correct, Madge. Depending on your stakeholder, you will probably have to, you know, move this around a little bit, tweak it. But knowing what those key areas, what do you want to do, why is it important, when will you be successful, and what do you need, you want to make sure that those four components are in there every time. Okay, very good. So here's the pitch for seniors, uh, leaders, sorry, not seniors, senior leaders, could be any age. (laughs) Um, And so the the final one, uh, which I think is worth emphasizing, is this always this need for really backup and support uh, and engagement. Absolutely right. So as you can see, we inserted here engagement, participation, and commitment. Because usually when we're rolling out something, either we want the senior leaders to believe in it and say, go, go make it happen. So we want them to to talk about it, fund it, support it. And so we wanted to ask them specifically, are you engaged, participating, and committed? Because what the leader really permits and promotes is what the organization is going to do. And so that's why we put that wording in there for the senior leaders. Okay. All right. And uh, just to kind of a summary points uh, before we go to Derek, go ahead. Absolutely. It should be short and informative. Again, key stakeholders, target audience, just as you said earlier, Madge, it should be positive and upbeat. So you'll want to put it in your own voice so you can really own it. And really, usually you are a subject matter expert. You've got all these points of data and information. How can you turn that into knowledge for somebody else? And I just love this little graphic that kind of nicely puts that together. So just remembering those four points. All right. Well, this is very succinct and uh, so helpful. And I want to remind everybody, You've got the slides either already or you can download them and uh, work with uh, these templates. Uh, Maybe one more quick question uh, for Memorial Herman. Uh, Do you feel that these models that people are really picking up on that and that maybe the situation is improving? I would say that we've done a pretty good job when we're having formal projects of really utilizing these, but we're like everybody else. We could use them more. We could do it better. Um, so for it's for all of us, myself included, to keep this in mind when I'm talking to someone. We all know what it's like when you're out somewhere and somebody starts talking to you and they go on and on and on, and you're just thinking to yourself, I wish they'd get to the point. This is just one way for us to think about in our conversation and a world where people are getting so many inputs and it's hard for them to stand still for a long period of time. How can we say what we want to say in a way that's short, succinct, and informative? All right. Thank you so much, Angela. 
Uh, think of questions, everyone, that you'd like uh, to address to Angela from Memorial Hermann. We're turned. Excuse me. We'll turn to Derek now. And as I mentioned, Derek penned a blog uh, last fall, which uh, many people have read. And uh, I think Vicky put the link in there, and she'll do so frequently. So, Derek, go ahead. Uh, you've obviously been thinking about this for a while, and you sort of pulled together some uh, key ideas. Thanks. So I tried um, in the spirit of the task here to try and keep this simple. And so uh, I thought there were four key things that I had found had influenced me as a leader or I had found useful as I was trying to influence others. And the first is to practice. Um, that this should, this should come naturally to you, you should, it, because you never know when your opportunity is going to arise. It could be uh, in the in the line for the, the coffee shop, or it could be literally in the elevator. Uh, and so it should be top of mind. And for it to be top of mind, you need to practice. It's also uh, incredibly useful to say it out loud, uh, to actually hear yourself say it. It's amazing how many people will just write it down and never actually say the words. Go and look in the mirror at yourself and just say it. See how it sounds. Uh, second, um, make sure that it resonates with the leader. This is uh, Angela's point about it's important because, uh, and I think leaders res respond well to things that they uh, they recognize and that there's a kind of common interest in. So try and connect what you're saying to something you know the leader is passionate about. Um, and so, you know, I'm... IHI right now we're working on uh, reaching more people. If someone comes to me with an idea for reaching more people, they know they're going to uh, they're going to have a listening ear from me. Third, um, I see a lot of formality about uh, trying to speak so your leader will hear, and I, I, I think never forget that your leader is a human being. And they've got feelings and actually they're much more likely to be influenced by you if you engage them emotionally as well as intellectually. Uh, and so try and, uh, and link what you're saying to something that you know your leader really cares about, deeply cares about, feels something about. Uh, and then the fourth thing is just to be uh, authentic and personal about it. Try to be uh, positive and, uh, you know, that there's a great temptation to spend your 30 seconds with your leader uh, uh, complaining about your um, your problem of the day. And I, I would invite you to think twice about that and instead uh, to say, I've got a great idea uh, that, would, um, that would help us achieve some of the things I know you want to achieve as a leader. Um, and then specifically to the, the, the elevator pitch itself, again, just four things that I have found to be helpful as we're, as you're giving the the, the pitch four things for you to think about uh, first so what are you going to say uh, what are the key messages that you want to get over um, and how can you do that in a way that's succinct but impactful uh, second what's the what's the context for this what are you what, what are you trying to achieve why is this important because uh, uh, again what we find is that elevator pitches are effective if they cover not just what you want to happen, but why it's important and how we're going to get to where we need to get to. Uh, third, approach this with confidence. It's back to my point about how humanity and positivity is important here. So uh, approach this with confidence and both be conversational about it. Just, you know, leaders, again, are much more likely to be uh, to listen to your elevator pitch if you engage them in a conversation rather than give them a lecture. Uh, so, and easy to remember, four C's. You know, think about what you want to say, think about why it's important, do it with confidence, and then try and engage your leader in some kind of dialogue. All right. Thank you very much, both Angela and Derek, and those tips. Reminder, all that is uh, in the slides. Um, and appreciate people who are uh, picking up on some of the questions we're uh, 
posing uh, in in the chat. I like the one. The thing I want to get better at is not going on and on, and uh, many of us can relate uh, to that as well. All right, not too much pressure on a wonderful guest we have now. I want to welcome Gretchen Contoro to WHI. Now, Gretchen got in touch with me just in the nick of time uh, yesterday. She's contributing a pitch she recently made to her CEO and others in leadership at her organization. And uh, Gretchen, if your phone line is unmuted, the floor is yours. Welcome. Thank you, Madge. Um, My name is Gretchen Contoro, and I'm the Quality Improvement Director at Comp Drugs which is a behavioral health and opiate treatment center in Columbus, Ohio. And we're small. We have about 150 staff. Um, I uh, just completed the wave 50 of IHI's improvement advisor program. So I, I felt quite confident after that training to pitch joy and work to um, comp drugs uh, strategic team or, or leadership. So we're going to ask you, if you're willing, we've got it up on a slide here, yeah. uh, but if you're comfortable, go ahead and read it, because uh, as Derek was saying, uh, saying it out loud gives it feeling, and uh, you know you start to become more familiar even with your own words. So uh, if you're willing, go ahead, Gretchen. Yep. Um, IHI has a real path to joy and work. Joy and work doesn't have to be a pie-in-the-sky Unicorn dream, unicorn dream world, it's an issue that lots of organizations and hospitals have tackled or need to tackle, and CompDrug is not alone in the need for this QI initiative. Uh, if we follow the framework, it will be successful. It starts with us just asking staff what matters to them and listening to their responses and then following up with what's the pebble in their shoe. Next, do they have any ideas? Joy in work is listening to staff and working the QI process to improve the pebbles in their shoes. Um, And I said, Dustin, um, as the CEO and others in the leadership or strategic team, I'd like for you and all of them to be involved at every level at different times throughout the process. But mainly, I want you to participate by listening. Uh, The idea is to do teams of three that will conduct the questions in small groups around comp drug. A facilitator will ask the questions, a scribe will write everything down on flip chart paper, and Dustin, you and the leadership team will listen. Just listen, no feedback, no sharing, um, just letting staff be heard. So, um, Gretchen, what happened with your pitch, or what's happened so far? (laughs) So, um, I gave this pitch to my boss and the CEO, and then um, I got 20 minutes on the strategic team agenda and did a PowerPoint with um, lots more information in it because none of them really knew what joy and work was or how we would get to that point. Um, and uh, so it was very well received, although I do have to say that we haven't started and there's no start date in the future. So they liked it, but, you know, that's the reason why I wanted some feedback. I, I wasn't 100% successful because we didn't start. Okay. Well, first of all, I cannot thank you enough. I just think it's terrific. It's such a great example that you brought this forward. And that's a real interesting issue that maybe we can even pick up more in Q&A. Great idea, but nothing's happening. Uh, and uh, what what's that about? What's what's pitch number two? <laughs> um, but let me. <laughs> all right, Angelo. What 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 thoughts might you have for Gretchen? And again, I want to invite the audience here chatting in. What are your thoughts uh, about uh, Gretchen's pitch here? Uh, you know, what works for you? Any any suggestions? Uh, but Angela, why don't you start? 
Sure. So, Gretchen, congratulations for, you know, coming away with something you really wanted to bring back to your organization. Joy and Work is a perfect, perfect segue into bringing about increased production and performance from everybody. I loved your pitch overall. The concepts are really good. I think one of the opportunities that you had was to maybe make it a little shorter. Um, link it to um, what is so important right now, um, which is kind of what's happening with opioids and the attention that it's getting, maybe somehow to bring that in and to elevate all the work that's being done at, at both CompuDrug and what's happening globally and what that means to the workforce if they have more of an opportunity um, to have joy in their work and eliminate those pebbles in their shoe, like how that can help your company do more. And the other part is sometimes when you're a leader and you've got many things on your plate already, when you're getting a pitch and you hear about something else you kind of have to do. Um, it just seems like one more thing on your list. So I would say taking your ask here and really putting it in a place where this is going to come from you and everybody else, and it's going to have a momentum. And the leader at the moment just needs to be supportive and engaged and doesn't necessarily have to do anything. I think just bringing that point in a little bit more could be very helpful. But I think you've got all the right elements in here. I would just change them a little bit. And the one thing I would say about getting your 20 minutes in the meeting is maybe modeling for them what it could look like would have been helpful as opposed to giving them, again, all the details in a slide presentation, if I'm taking away from what you said um, correctly. But I think modeling for them and shortening this up a little bit with some key points on how great it can be, what it can really mean for, you, for your fellow employees, and your ability to help drive this along with his support, I think that would make it perfect. Thanks, Angela. Let's say I have uh, so much. Let me have Derek get in here, and then we'll give Gretchen an opportunity uh, to comment on the comments. And some nice comments also coming in on the chat that if you're not reading now, Gretchen, you certainly can take away. Go ahead, Derek. Well, Gretchen, I agree with Angela. I thought it was a great pitch. It was, it, it was very clear. Uh, it was conversational. Uh, it was, it, it felt as if there was some kind of human emotional type exchange here. Just the very fact that you, you, you use the name of the CEO, you know, you, you, you informalized it, personalized it there by talking about Dustin. Um, and uh, I love the confidence of if we follow the framework, it will be successful. And uh, so I, I really liked the, the pitch. It just goes to show that there's no guarantee here. All, all we can do is raise the likelihood that our success, that our pitch rather, will be successful. I, I would have, I would suggest only really a couple of things where um, this this might have been improved. And so, first is I think it probably needs a stronger why. So, why is this important? And I would put that right up front. Um, and so, the first thing I'd have said, Dustin. This is important because, um, I, or Justin, I, I heard you talk about this thing, uh, and I know you're concerned about um, raising our levels of staff engagement in the organization or, or, or making sure that CompDrug is a place where everybody can thrive. Uh, so, you know, start with why um, Simon Sinek would, would teach us, but I think it's, it's relevant here. Um, and then the second thing I would say is that towards the end, it gets a little bit too prescriptive, I think. Um, and so leaders like choice. And, uh, and, so, and there's ways, I think, of framing what you really wanted to say uh, in a way that I think might have given Dustin somewhere to, to go with this. And so using uh, framing points like... Um, I would love it if uh, you would just listen and not give any feedback in the first instance. Or I really think people would appreciate it if, uh, so that you you leave the final decision about how to react in the hands of the leader. I think uh, is uh, often a a good way to go. But overall, I, I I really liked it. I think you know I'm not surprised you got your time at the. Uh, at the at the strategy meeting, and um, if there's anything we can do to help you move it to action, 
just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to help. Thanks, Derek and Gretchen. Have um, you told Dustin that you've just made this pitch to 500 <laughs> in the audience? It um, happened so quick. Um, yeah. I, uh, I alerted my my boss who, you know, got the pitch early on um, and a different, a little bit different pitch because she was my boss. And I guess um, when I wrote this out, I was basically assuming that all of you would know kind of where we've been at at CompDrug. And of, of course, you don't know that we've had a lot of staff turnover and a lot of new staff coming on board and it, morale is very low. And so it just, I felt like he would know the why, although maybe framing the why differently I love the way Derek said to, um, you know, essentially agree that he knows the why, but just reframing it differently. So um, I love all of the ideas that Angela gave as well. Um, and I think that, you know, there is hope for joy and work at Comp Drug. <laughs> More people keep leaving. So I think uh, it, it become will become an even larger problem um, at Comp Drug. And, and I think there is hope that we will start it. I just think leadership, for whatever reason they're not telling me, is just not ready to start yet. Okay. So question, well, you know, earlier Derek talked about leaders are human too. And so mm -hmm. one of the things to consider is just that you're currently at a point where you're getting ready to start that evolution and transition. And so believing that your leader does see it, but would love to have others in the company embrace and maybe get it started with that support. So looking at it from that view as well might be helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, Gretchen, thank you again uh, for participating and uh, for the dialogue here with Angela and Derek and your thoughtful uh, comments, both of you. And um, thank you, audience, for uh, chiming in. You can keep doing so. Gretchen's going to also stick around and be part of the chat as we move on. Um I, I think what I, so thank you all for your comments. Uh, somebody made one saying the best pitch they'd ever heard was, uh, from, I think many of us saw it recently in the film about Fred Rogers asking the Senate committee leader for funding for public television in 1969. Uh, and our, I think our wonderful Vicky here or either Kristen or Vicky found the, the, the link. So <laughs> you can uh, get a hold of that, uh, clip. Um, I think what I'd like to do, I'm digging in now to some of your comments uh, and questions, and maybe I want to make a connection here uh, now that uh, Gretchen has been very courageous in saying, you know, all is not well at the company right now, and there's some problems with morale. Somebody in the chat mentioned that every time anybody brings up a new idea in their organization right now, there's a lot of burnout, and um, maybe it doesn't matter what you say or how you say it, it's it seems hard to to get people engaged, uh, and maybe that person is saying leaders or other groups or whatever. Um, Angela, any thoughts about that? Um, you know, when folks are maybe kind of in a more down time. Sure. I mean, it can be really tough to kind of excite everybody around an initiative or even a new way that you're going to look at yourself. One of the things to consider is what does it mean long term or what can you take away from the past? So if we can all admit to whatever we were doing previously, that that wasn't working for us, that a new path forward is absolutely where we need to go. So again, it's telling that compelling story of why we want to go there. Um, are we able to compare ourselves to someone else and take away a best practice from them? Um, 
can we look at what matters most to us as a particular organization or what matters most to some of our key stakeholders? Trying to rally around who you are, what you do, um, what your product is, whatever that may be, that can also be another way to energize everyone. And, and really getting everybody to come to the table, um, a retreat, a town hall, a big meeting, where everybody comes together and says, we're going to forge a new path forward, and what does it look like and what do we want to do? I think that's a way to excite people about moving in a new direction, even if you've been on that journey before, but now you're going to pivot and do it in a new way. Thanks, Angela. Derek, uh, feel free to address that. And I also wanted you to address this issue because I think many people are stuck when nothing is happening. Somebody has said, great idea, uh, but what happens next isn't clear. And it's not clear you're going to get that magic moment with that same individual again. Um, So uh, maybe you could uh, maybe speak to burnout if you'd like, but also that kind of ambiguous moment of now what? So I think those two things are actually connected, uh, Madge. There's a reason why motion and emotion have the same root. Uh, and you're much more likely to get action if people feel something. Uh, and you're much more likely to uh, address burnout and create joy if people feel something, if you're addressing the things that really matter to them. It's why we, we start our four steps towards joy and work with the question about what matters to you. Uh, and so I, I think the real trick here is to, is to for us as the, as the instigators of change, as the, as the people who want to promote innovation and new ways of working, uh, the, the challenge for us is to, is to speak to people in a way that uh, engages their emotions as well as their brains. Uh, and it's back to, I think, some of what, we, uh, what I said earlier about some of the mistakes I made in my early career. We um, we kind of assume that if our argument is compelling enough, you know, if we muster the evidence in a really uh, smart kind of way and we show them the data, that's really going to get them to change. And actually, more often than not, it's the story about how this impacted on a patient or uh, what this will mean for for this community if we if we take this action now or. There's a, there's a group of people that we're serving who are not thriving. Here's a way to make them thrive. Uh, and so I, I would encourage people to think about um, engaging people's emotions as well as their brains. The other thing I think that's really important is we need to be selective. We need to focus our energies here. Uh, we just have to accept that, and I, I know this from my previous experience. I, I worked with a, a guy who was a thousand ideas a day um, and 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 the real the real challenge was every single day there was one brilliant one, uh, and uh, and and often I couldn't see I couldn't see it for the other nine hundred and ninety nine, and so there is something about focusing on the stuff that we really believe in and we want to put our energies behind, and you're much more likely to make progress in influencing your leader if you can uh, if you can find the vital few things that you want to engage him or her around rather than just you know, deluging them with your thought for the day. Very, very interesting. Being selective. Good one. Angela, what about costs? What about the, uh, somebody is uh, saying that every time they try to bring up a new idea, they are met with, well, how much is it going to cost? And uh, so what's been your experience with that where maybe, you know, budgets, budgets matter and there may be some cost implications and people may be at certain times feeling more sensitive about that than others. Uh, any thoughts? Um, all I would say is sometimes you need to state, what are you going to lose if you don't do it? What will it cost you financially if you don't move forward? So that is one way I would frame the conversation. The other is there are many times where when you implement this new initiative, there's going to be some efficiencies that are gained, and don't be afraid to talk about those up front. That can be very helpful. And the other is you can get the CFO to be one of your key stakeholders up front, and then you don't have to worry about that conversation as much because you've got them on board. Anything you want to say, uh, Derek, about the cost issue? Uh, Just to reinforce what Angela said, no one ever asks me for the business case for the status quo. 
they only ever asked me for the business case for the change. Uh, and so I think it's uh, I think it's perfectly reasonable for us to be able to um, to focus on what's the what's the marginal benefit from what we're going to try and do. How, how is it? How will it help us to be better than the status quo? Uh, and I, that's where I would focus my attention. Okay. Um, I uh, have. I thank you all again for picking up on uh, some of our questions and ideas. One of the themes we put out there, the thing I want to get better at is, and the thing I would like leaders to get better at, uh, and I don't know if Derek and Angela had a chance to look at some of them. I'd like leaders to get better at transparency, humility, and listening to their team. I would like leaders not to assume and be more open to new uh, strategies. Um, and I, I uh, Derek clearly uh, spoke to uh, the uh, issue of listening and listening more and talking uh, sometimes a little bit less. I was just curious, Derek, uh, you talked about kind of lessons you've learned over the course of your career. What kinds of things, what What do you think you can do to maybe uh, enhance uh, being able open to appeals and to pitches and some of the things you're already doing here at IHI? Yeah. So I, the first thing I think is that leaders need to be very deliberate about this. There's nothing accidental about listening. Uh, I, I would say leaders ought to just make it part of their daily work. Some of what they do every day is to is to create an opportunity where they can listen to people. And so one of the things I did this afternoon, for example, Madge, before I came into the studio was I had one of my regular, uh, we call them stand-up meetings here, although sometimes we do sit down. Um, 10 minutes, any member of IHI staff can book 10 minutes in my calendar. I had three sets of people who came in to see me today about a range of different things. Um, and it's their opportunity to do their pitch to me about you know, why is it we should uh, think about our uh, our strategy in the Middle East or what, uh, could, could they get involved in a hiring process that's currently underway? It's their opportunity to pitch something to me. Uh, and it, it, it really works. Uh, the other thing we do here regularly is we have what we call coffee meetings. We used to call them breakfast meetings, but we're too cheap to provide breakfast. Um, and so, again, that's just a way of us in a very informal setting, gathering together and hearing from staff about the things that are troubling them and then figuring out what we should do about it. And so a recent example of that would be um, people were people were really fed up with a really inefficient reimbursement process that we had here at IHI, a, a, a matter uh, about which I was completely unaware. Uh, and so now I'm aware of it and we're able to fix it. And uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that without the coffee meeting and the opportunity for people to, uh, to talk and for me to listen. So thank you for mentioning that, Derek, uh, the coffee meetings and also the stand-up meetings. I think the 10-minute uh, meetings have also done uh, quite well. I wanted to ask about surrogates um, and other people who kind of represent you in the organization, who have your ear, who you meet with regularly, and uh, what role they can play. Uh, maybe, Derek, let's start with you. Yeah, I think that can be useful. Uh, I don't think that the, uh, an individual leader needs to take all of this on his or her shoulders. And so having uh, people who know what matter to you and able to um, to filter, filter some of that information is, uh, is really helpful. I, I, uh, it's one of the things I paid real attention to as I was uh, as hi hiring my new executive assistant recently. Uh, and I said to Izzy, you know, one of the things that people are going to ask you to do is is give an opinion on what, so what will Derek think, uh, and it, she can do that incredibly well. Um, she's a former military staff sergeant, oh. so she she, she, know, she can get inside people's heads in a way I really don't want to know. I think, uh, but anyway, yeah, I think it's really important for leaders to have someone they can trust, especially if, like me. They're out of the office on a regular basis, engaging with uh, with customers or uh, or working all over the world. You need someone at base who can 
handle some of the inquiries and who, who can say, yeah, you really need to let Derek know about that or that can wait until he comes back. And what a great idea. I'll bring that to his attention. Okay. Angela, do you use um, surrogates in some fashion or are there people who know you well enough and that others also feel that they can approach? Absolutely. I'm happy to have people approach me directly um, in any manner, whether it's one-on-one, a phone call, a tweet, a text, over LinkedIn. I'm happy that way. And then I have a great team that works with me, and they do at times tell other members of the team, who will, and they'll bring it back to me, and I think that's perfectly fine as well. Um, leaders are completely open to hearing from you at any time, and I know that sometimes folks are nervous, and I know that those nerves really bother the person who's trying to say something, but I understand that, and I'm happy to be patient with it, and it's not really bothering me that you might be nervous. So I saw somebody mention um, on the chat that they get really nervous. Just know that we understand that, and we're not thinking too much about it at all. But I know that for the person who's talking, um, it's really bothersome to them. But to us, we really want to hear what you have to say. All right. Well, thank you very much. And I think it's a good moment to wrap up. And um, I want to remind everyone to download these slides if you didn't do so already. They'll also be posted to ichai.org. I am so thrilled uh, at the participation from the chat today, and I think our panelists are as well. Um, you came uh, to this uh, program today with a lot of really fresh ideas and uh, fresh thinking, and you can uh, keep it going while we're wrapping up. So a big thank you to Angela Shippey and to Derek Feely and to our wonderful guest today, Gretchen Conturo. We're going to hope to hear more from Gretchen about what happens uh, at Comp Drug and wishing sh- uh, Gretchen and staff there all the best. Um, Next up on WHI on March 21st, we're going to be talking about uh, some efforts to kind of reframe how we're talking about patient safety so more people actually understand what we're talking about. Uh, speaking of pitches, uh, but uh, sort of getting outside some of our own comfort zones and uh, seeing uh, what we can convey, excuse me, convey more powerfully. So I hope you'll consider joining uh, that as well. So check out the archived pages, as I've been saying. And uh, if you subscribe to the Institute for Healthcare Improvement on iTunes, you'll get a really nice, seamless feed. Any questions whatsoever, you can email info at ihi.org. Great group of people help make WIHI possible. In addition to you, our audience, they include John Gothier, Matt Morse, Vicki Minden, Joanna Carmona, Mo Berry, Val Weber, Pat McTiernan. Special thanks. I wanted to give a shout out to many people at IHI, including Christina Gunther Murphy, who reached out uh, and on our behalf to see if we could find some people who would talk about their pitches. And as you know, it's my privilege to host this program that's about spirited learning and improving health and patient care most of all. For the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, I'm Madge Kaplan. Good day, everyone. Everyone.